Hello, you're listening to KUBU-FM, Low Power and the Voice of Sacramento. You can find KUBU locally at 96.5 on your FM dial or cable access channel 17 and 18. You can also listen in on the internet at accesssacramento.org. This program is Making Tracks, and I'm your host, Dale Steele. We're on weekly at this day and time. You can also find more information about what is covered on the show at daletracks.blogspot.com and you can contact me there if you have questions or suggestions about the show. I'm making tracks today. We'll revisit the recent Friends of the Riverbanks program to welcome salmon back to the American River while a huge multi-day heavy metal concert took place downstream. We'll also hear again a segment on children and nature and why that interaction is so important. Music today, I've got some Mercy, Mercy Me by Marvin Gaye, Fight for You by Ray Zaragoza, What a Wonderful World, Herb Albert style, and Child of Nature from the Beatles' White Album. And now, head outside when you can. It's time for Making Tracks.
Will the salmon return if no one greets him? Well, Friends at the Riverbank held their annual October event at Sutter's Landing Park on the American River Parkway on Saturday, October 12th. This annual event welcomes the salmon back from their long journey to grow to adults at sea and return home to spawn. It's one of Friends of the Riverbank's many popular events over the years with ideal weather, cookies, coffee, water, educational material, and games, including an environmental education program led by the California Department of Fish and Wildlife. This year, there was also a volunteer work party to continue to remove trash, weeds, and other invasive plants that continue to increase in the area. Well, this year's event was no different except for one thing. Nobody came to the event. There were likely a number of reasons, including key staff being away due to family emergencies, illness, and busy lives. The volunteers that were able to come arrived early for the work party to continue clearing the Sutter's Landing Park Gateway to the American River Parkway, which has been neglected recently, allowing invasive weeds to spread as increasing numbers of people visit the area but leave behind their garbage, dog waste, and other trash. The gateway looks much better now, but it's missing much of its native plants that were planted there with a grant to establish the gateway. Weeds were an ongoing problem, but maybe more under control now with ongoing hard work. Leaks in the irrigation system have been been recently fixed by city park staff after we reported it. They continue to drop off and pick up a trailer of all the weeds and invasive plants and trash that have been removed. The riverbank was cleaner too with only a single bag of trash and another bag full of recyclable bottles and cans being removed before the event. That still included rusty bottle caps, broken glass, hooks and fishing line, cans and bottles and more. Dog and human waste was avoided where encountered. The edge of the riverbank is exposed now due to low flows of warm water which is not as good for salmon, and also all the dogs and human activities have trampled the bank and lowered the quality of habitat for returning salmon there. The bank edge is about a foot lower and trampled mainly by all the off-leash dog activities that are usually present. The roots from the remaining riparian trees are exposed by all this trampling. There are also many signs of recent fires along the river's edge from campfires, which are illegal there, and very little understory is left growing under the remaining trees. Human and dog activity was very limited today, though, probably due in part to the presence of Department of Fish and Wildlife Service staff and the materials that they had set up for this event. The river area site was cleaned up and ready, and so were the Fish and Wildlife Service staff who had set up an educational table full of wildlife specimens, exhibits, and information, as well as a layout they had set up for a scavenger hunt for the kids who never came today. There were no actual event attendees at all today, but people did come by for other reasons and often stopped by briefly. And on the positive side, there was more time to share information and plan future events, while gradually a few families and other visitors stopped by incidentally. There were very good discussions about salmon, the need not to feed wildlife, where animal skins and skulls come from, why it's important to clean up after visiting in nature, and more. And all the volunteers and incidental visitors left with smiles on their face and maybe a cookie or two. Well, the same was true up at the parking lot above where free coffee, water, and cookies and information greeted those that wandered by on their way somewhere along the parkway. Seeing volunteers clearing, cleaning up the area and answer questions seemed to inspire some pride and friendliness, too. What would it have been like if there was a kiosk occupied regularly by volunteers with similar information, suggestions, and an extra eyes out for any illegal activity, and maybe some water and even a cookie? Well, the lack of a bathroom continues to be a major shortcoming at Sutter's Landing Park, and the porta potty over near the dog park is too gross to be used in anything except an emergency. Well, clearly there's much to think about for future Friends of the Riverbank events. There still seems to be great value in these events, 
even when they aren't attended because of all the secondary benefits and incidental opportunities to inspire others to appreciate nature. Meanwhile, downstream at Discovery Park along the same American River, the Aftershock Heavy Metal Rock Concert likely sold out in its now expanded three-day run along the river. An estimated 90,000 people were expected there this year. 66,000 people sold out last year's event and paid at least $66 a day to do so. Well, how much, if, if any, of that money goes to benefit the parkway or restore the damage that comes with so many people being concentrated in one area? Very little, it seems. And instead of making the huge event pay for its true cost, the county is pursuing grant money from the Lower American River Conservancy to restore the picnic area. Now, the Conservancy is supposed to provide funds for parkway preservation, conservation, acquisition, and restoration. Imagine what could be done to protect and appreciate the American River Parkway if such funds were used to benefit wildlife, habitat, nature, and open spaces, and encourage appropriate recreation and appreciation there. Something seems out of balance, or maybe just wrong. Meanwhile, the salmon, as well as all the other wildlife that depend on important habitat in this area, did just fine today. Save the river, save the seas, save the mother and her family. Can you take what you want and say that we are free? If you put oil in the water, we won't sit quietly. And they were singing, stand up, stand up for what's right. Don't walk, don't walk silently to the night. Take my hand and wail, say it's through. Fight for me, I'll fight for you. want and say you come in peace if you don't open your eyes how can you see and we were cheering stand up stand up You. I don't 
You're listening to KUBU-FM, Low Power and the Voice of Sacramento. This program is Making Tracks, and I'm your host, Dale Steele. We're on weekly at this day and time. This is Bird Note. American crows stream by overhead in the late afternoon. Rivers of crows. These are crows on a mission. They're headed to their night roost, a giant avian slumber party. Gathering in a park or woodland, they land in a tree, then scuffle and shuffle and squawk, filtering down through the branches. Birds arriving late force the early birds lower into the trees. Crow experts think the roost may provide benefits like warmth, protection from predators, shared information about food sources, and a chance to find a mate. Immature crows may spend the night in the roost year-round, but adults of breeding age stay in their own nests while raising their young, then go back to the group after the fledglings leave. So, just how many crows are there in a roost? That varies, but at one longtime roost in Danville, Illinois, locals have counted more than 100,000 crows. Not that the folks of Danville are especially happy about that. Imagine the ruckus when the first few thousand crows leave in the morning, about an hour before sunrise. Follow crows to their roost some autumn evening if you can, and watch these avian acrobats wheel in for the night. But if you go, just a word of warning. You might want to take an umbrella. For Bird Note, I'm Ashley Aherton. In the words of the great Louis Armstrong, in answer to young people saying, what do you mean it's a wonderful world? Well, how about all those wars all over the place? You call that wonderful? And how about hunger and pollution? That ain't so wonderful either. It ain't the world that's so bad. It's what we're doing to it. What a wonderful world it would be if only we would give it a chance. Love, baby, love. That's the secret. Yeah.
positive direct experiences in nature during childhood and role models for care for nature by someone close to a child are two factors that contribute most to individuals choosing to take action to benefit the environment. People of all ages who participate in nature-based activities tend to be happier and healthier than those who do not. Social experiences in nature foster connectiveness with each other and to nature. People who develop a sense of place are more likely to want to protect it and oppose the degradation of the environment around them. Knowledge is very important, but it's not enough on its own to cause people to take action to benefit nature. Meaningful and positive experience in nature is a powerful way of developing a connection with and a love of nature that can in turn guide people towards care for the earth. The connectiveness to nature is a strong predictor of positive conservation behavior as well. Community planning and urban development policies to create nature-rich cities that include parks and protected areas for the benefit of people in nature are important. Parks and outdoor recreation and tourism policies that encourage family-friendly experiences, interpretive programs, and outdoor nature-based and experimental environmental education are also important. Policies that encourage private sector investment in environmentally sustainable programming, infrastructure, and innovative solutions, including technology for connecting people with nature, also valuable. Overall, the evidence is clear. One of the most important things that any of us can do for ourselves and those we love and people throughout the world and the living systems that support us is to connect with nature. That connection can start in the simplest of ways, beginning in childhood and renewing throughout all stages of our lives. It can take many forms and occur in many ways, but it requires places and spaces for people to connect to nature's richness and the complexity, varying from backyards to apartment rooftops, on city streets, rural roadways, school grounds, and in urban neighborhoods, all the way to wild protected areas and urban parks. But connecting with nature helps us all, bring, bring us all to peace and good health, and provides a foundation for resilient, healthy ecosystems, communities, and economies to thrive and remain for generations and generations to come. Indigenous peoples throughout the world are among those most passionately and courageously working to give voice to our interconnectedness with other beings and species and human-associated responsibilities. The convictions and actions of many of those courageous leaders put them in constant danger from those who would challenge their voices, yet they carry on. We honor their sacrifices and learn from their legacy. The Story of the Lost Girl Many indigenous peoples understand that humans are not separate from the rest of nature. All are one. When humans think about how to care for the earth, we must begin with the recognition that we are nature. We are of the earth. All beings are connected and we are one. The symbiotic relationship with country is told in many stories, one of which is the story of the lost girl. The girl had lost her way. She had wandered far from the mothers, the aunties, and the grandmothers, from the fathers, and the uncles, and the grandfathers. She had hidden in the shadow of a rock and fallen asleep while she waited for her brothers and sisters to find her. Now it was night, and no one answered when she called, and she could not find her way back to camp. 
The girl wandered, alone. She grew thirsty, so she stopped by a water hole to drink, and then hungry, so she picked some berries from a bush. Then the night grew colder, so she huddled beneath an overhanging rock, pressing herself into a hollow that had trapped the warm air of the day. Finally, she found a crow flying in the moonlight, flapping from tree to tree and calling, Caw! 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 The girl followed the crow. She followed him into the trees, and over the rocks, and up the hills, until at last she saw the glow of her people's campfires in the distance. The people laughed and cried at once to see that the girl was safe. They growled at her for her foolishness, and cuddled her, and gave her a place by the fire. Her little brother asked if she had been afraid, but the girl said, How could I be frightened? I was with my mother. When I was thirsty, she gave me water. When I was hungry, she fed me. When I was cold, she warmed me. And when I was lost, she showed me the way home. Kwe Moliana, 2005. Despite the fact that being connected with nature is good for us and good for the earth, creating opportunities to increase this connection is not always a simple process. Many attributes of contemporary life around the world contribute to a disconnection between people and nature and present barriers to overcoming it. For example, fear and perceptions, competing priorities, cultural differences, degraded environments, lack of resources, lack of access or transportation, school or academic environments, and urbanization and development. Governments, organizations, and individuals are, the implement, are implementing policies and practices to overcome these barriers. On the road to Rishikesh, I was dreaming more or less. And the dream I had was true. Yes, the dream I had was true I'm just a child of nature I don't need much to set me free I'm just a child of nature I'm one of nature's children Sunlight shining in my eyes As I face the desert skies And my thoughts return to home Yes, my thoughts return to home I'm just a child need much to set me free I'm just a child of nature I'm one of nature's children Underneath the mountain ranges Where the wind that never changes the windows of my soul 
touch the windows of my soul I'm just a child of nature I don't need much to set me free I'm just a child of nature Don't forget to check out my other radio program on KUBU. The Climate Report focuses on local climate actions and more, sponsored by 350 Sacramento every Wednesday at noon. And be sure to tune in Tuesdays at 1 p.m. for Radio EcoShock, the latest on science, issues, and authors dealing with climate change and the environment on a global scale. Hosted and produced by Alex Smith. Don't miss it. You're listening to KUBU-FM, Low Power and Voice of Sacramento. You can find KUBU locally at 96.5 on your FM dial or cable access channel 17 and 18. You can also listen in on the internet at accesssacramento.org. This program is Making Tracks. Again, thank you for listening. Well, I-